But um, <clears throat> I went through many deaths. When you have a large family, um, things tend to happen, and you go through different things throughout life. And there's all—it seems like there's always two choices. And in this case, there is a fast passing, which I have experienced in my family, where I get a phone call and my grandfather had a heart attack and he passed away. And then on this side, I've also had a grandmother that had cancer and she slowly passed away. So it gave us time at her bedside. Um, They both have their own grieving process. And for those who have had friends or family suffer from cancer you're ready for them to pass and go into that heavenly kingdom. For those who have had somebody pass away suddenly and you didn't get to say goodbye, you learn to make sure you say goodbye and you love them every single time. So, like I said before, we're going to draw from the scriptures in these final words, final moments of the patriarch, um, Jacob, today. And we're going to see what Joseph also says and how that's played out. But it's interesting The Bible doesn't always give us a direct correlation, but in this aspect, if you look in certain ways at the Scripture, it tells us how to live out life. And so, um, I want to go ahead and let you know that I do draw, like I said last week, I draw from the Billy Graham book called Nearing Home, which is a great book. If your parents are not planning out their funeral or their final arrangements, this would be a great book for you to buy and also buy and go through that process. And he also recommends that you also do that. Um, Because I know a lot of people that avoid planning out their funeral arrangements and their final destination here on earth where their body is going to be laid to rest. But the amazing thing is, in the faith, that is a holy sight because one day it's going to split open and they're going to meet him in the air. Amen. So, and then this other one I'm reading right now. Um, I do pass out to those who have lost loved ones. It's called Living a Year of Kaddish. And so I know we just sang the Kaddish song. And so that's been an amazing book that I've read a few times as well. All right. Let me go through my notes here. It says, Last week I introduced a sermon series, which I talked about, Nearing Home and Faith. And why I wanted to do this four-part series and some of the extra books, which I just mentioned. Then I spoke on how our faith... We should not avoid our final arrangements this side of heaven. For our journey's end on earth means a heavenly home above. Yes, I believe you should get excited. You should start planning for that final day, as I talked about last week. Because, look at this, you're going on a journey with all these people that have already went before you. Have you ever, let me me toss this out, there in this way. Have you ever planned a vacation or went on a routine vacation with somebody year after year and you don't really talk to them, maybe text message or call them or email them throughout the year, but when you get together with them, you get to catch up on everything that was missing, right, over the past year. And it's such a great experience, yet you look forward to it year after year getting together with them. I'm telling you right now, in this series, and what I'm telling you is something that if you have faith and you know that that person's already went to heaven, it's going to be a celebration. And it gets even sweeter, as I mentioned earlier, and lit a candle for Nan Brandon. It just keeps getting better. And those people that have gone before us, 
it's um, it's going to be a rejoicing that I can't even imagine. Anyways, let's look at Genesis 47. I know I said it's verse four, um, chapter 48 and 49, but I'm going to pick up here in Genesis 47:28 through 31. This is where Jacob, like I said, he plans ahead. Actually, Abraham planned ahead for him, and he bought the the grave in Mechpelah. But here, Jacob tells his sons, he charges them what to do with his body ahead of time. It says, Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his sons Joseph and said to him, Please, if I have found favor in your sight, place now your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Please do not bury me in Egypt. Why is he going to Joseph? Because he's one of the rulers of the land. He's the one that will take charge and will be the one making those final arrangements for his father. So Jacob's talking to him. But when I died... But when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt. Bury me in their burial place. And he said, what's a son supposed to say when his dad's getting older, right? I will do as you have buried, or that, what you have said. He said, swear to me. So in other words, I believe you, but now swear it to me. So he swore to him. Then Israel bowed in worship at the head of the bed. Israel at this point, this is before he's like getting really bad. Um, he's talking to Joseph and saying, please do this. Swear to me, do it. And so it's one of those arrangements that we, we can see here. And if we glean from that perspective of that heavenly kingdom, we know that Jacob has that perspective in this way. He wants to go be buried with the patriarchs and matriarchs that have gone before him. And he's still buried there today. You can go to that grave um, there in, uh, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is really interesting. And it's one place that I, I would like to go when I go back there, but I, I've heard it's uh, one of those sketchy places. You're not sure you should go there because of everything that's happening around there. However, I, I've shared with you there's always two different sides of things. I mentioned one, a a long um, hurting with cancer, and one that's sudden. There's also two sides to this. The one who is going in peace with the Lord and doesn't struggle and knows where their promise is and where they're going to be afterwards. And then there's those who don't follow the faith. And they're anxious. And those loved ones who still don't know the Lord, those people are anxious as well. The one letting go often struggles as a loved one departs. Even in the faith, it's hard to let go because all of our memories, all of our history is in the past with them. Yet, in faith, there is hope. The scripture promises us that there is an eternal kingdom and those that don't have any hope. Two sides again to that whole piece. Let's go on to Genesis 48.1. Look here. Coming from my own experience this past time with my own grandfather who recently passed away, I went to go visit him in bed. 
he was already, but he had enough strength where I could still talk to him. So these first two passages or in verse 48 or chapter 48 remind me of just that. Now it came about after these things. So there's been time lapse in between when Joseph and Jacob talked. Joseph was told by some of his servants, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. Now I know Manasseh and Ephraim were older. Jacob had lived there 17 years. Manasseh and Ephraim were already born to Joseph whenever they managed to get there. But the interesting piece is this one passage of Scripture um, talks about Joseph bringing his sons. People have asked me time and time again, should I take my kids to see my Ellen grandparent? Should I take them to see their Ellen grandparent? I can't say you should or you shouldn't. I think you have to give the decision up to the kids at a certain age. I just did that with Rebecca and I did that with Hannah. So for um, Leah's a little bit young and she would have been a handful for me. But I still recall when I was four years old, my one living grandmother um, passed away when I was four. And I don't remember seeing her. And it's impacted me today. Today, I still have a desire to see a body to let them go. So, does it impact our kids? Should we take our kids to see an ailing grandparent? You have to have a discussion with your children. And so, Rebecca, Hannah chose not to. There's two sides to it. They may choose not to, and the other one may choose to. Hannah chose not to go. Rebecca chose to go. I saw her heart, and it was tender. When my grandfather could no longer talk, Um, We'll get to that in a minute in this next passage. But at the same time, it's an experience of life. And I think you have to choose to let your children, if they're old enough, to make those own choices for themselves. 48.2 says, When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel collected his strength and sat up in the bed. If you've ever had an Ellen grandparent, or a parent who is sick, or known a loved one who is sick, and they've di- they're dying of cancer, you know those final days, it takes every effort for them to push up in their bed, or to even whisper certain things. And that's exactly what you see here. So Israel collected his strength and sat up in the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. I love this next piece. I'm not going to read through it. It would take a long time. But Jacob goes on to talk about the Lord and everything that he did for him. Not what he created, but everything that God did for him. And you know what? I've heard tons of stories, one after another, where people say, who have lived out the faith, that they may not be able to talk to the person, but they can hear them. And yet, I've also heard that when you play the hymns, people perk up. They're not, still not able to talk, but you can, he- you can see them start to hear and remember things. I know <clears throat> James said his grandmother started to lose memory, but yet... When they started to say the scripture, she was able to recall it. This is what our faith 
does for us in those final days. It's not to be neglected. Again, I talk about there's always two sides. Over here are the lost ones, and they don't know what to do. And I see it day in and day out whenever I'm dealing with death at work in the public school system. They don't know how to comfort the kids. And over here, I've told them plenty of times. I don't think they listen to me. But I say, if they have a faith, go towards that faith. That's where we find the comfort. I've had to go to parents who had children commit suicide. And they say, I don't know what happened. This is out of the blue. And I ask them, do you guys have anybody to plan the service? Do you have a faith? Yes, we do. Head that direction. Go that direction. There's comfort in that. I could read a book to a family. I could read a book to a little children child about dinosaurs dying. But that brings no hope. It may bring some comfort for just a few days or weeks, but it doesn't bring hope of all eternity. So, Genesis 48, 21 through 22 is where I'm going to pick up. Then Israel said to Joseph, he, he went through everything that's been going on and how he was blessed by the Lord. Now you know Ephraim and Manasseh, his grandchildren, grandsons. He tells Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Basically telling Joseph, you're not going to stay here either. You're going back to the promised land. I give you one portion more than your brothers. He's giving him a double portion, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with, with my sword and my bow. I love this. This is a picture of a grandparent giving to the grandchildren before they pass. I'm going to encourage you. Encourage your parents. Talk to them. This is a blessing. I Again, I try to glean from small little tidbits in the Bible. So Joseph is giving before he dies, right? And so I encourage you, if you're a grandparent, or think about this even later on when we become grandparents, um, give away your earthly possessions if you can before you're gone. If you're no longer using them, give them away. One example I made a memory with my grandfather that recently passed away. He helped me re-grip this because him and I actually played golf. He's the one that started me in the golf. So I have that memory of these golf clubs being re-gripped with him. He gave me my first set of golf clubs. These aren't them. But that's a memory. For women, if you have... My mom is doing this now. She is. She has jewelry. Crazy amounts of jewelry. And so she is now allowing my daughters and my nieces to pick out certain things from their jewelry boxes. I still have my own grandmother's ring. I don't have a memory with it, but I know that she wore it. And so I would encourage you or encourage your parents, if they don't use that stuff anymore, set something up to create a memory for a woman. I love it because my mom will do tea parties with my children and with my nieces. And so 
I'm going to encourage her. I thought of this this morning. Have a tea party. Dress them up. Put jewelry on them that you want to give to them. And at the end of that tea party, say, those pieces were specially chosen for you to keep. That's what we want to create. We want to create those memories. So here, right here in this small little piece of 22, I give you one portion more than your brothers. Start to give it away. There's no reason to hold on to it. It's earthly belongings. Now, don't give away your wedding ring, right? But you can start to talk who that, how you want that to go whenever you do pass. You're making these plans because here on earth, this ring means nothing. This watch that Karen and I got betrothed with, it won't mean anything there. But it could mean something to those who are left behind. It will carry on in the days and months, and it will comfort those who are left behind. All right. The interesting piece here is the book of uh, Genesis chapter 49 you start to see how Jacob summons all his sons and tells them, Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Gather together and hear, O sons, O Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. I remember Dr. Stokes years ago saying that Jewish people will, a lot of times around the age of 70, gather their children, gather their families, and have uh, an assembly such as this. They're gleaning from these small little tidbits in Scripture. And that's what we have to do. We have to glean from these small little bits here. The interesting thing is, Jacob had went through so much with his children. He knew their pitfalls. He knew what they would struggle with as they got older. This passage of chapter 49 tells of their pitfalls. He warns them what's going to happen. The only way we can change our pitfalls is to go to the Lord and ask Him to help us through our life. So He warns, He tells them what's about to happen to them. And then in Genesis 49, 38 through 32... 28 through 32, says, All those are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them and everyone with the blessing appropriate to him. Then he charged them and said to them, Again, he keeps continuing to talk about the final arrangements that's going to happen to his body here on this earth. I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Mechbalah, which is before Mamre. In the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field from Ephron, the Hittite, for a burial site. There they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah, there they buried Isaac and his wife Rachel, or Rebecca, sorry, Isaac and Rebecca, and there I buried Leah. 
the field and the cave that is in it purchased from the sons of Heth. He's talking about that final day and he's giving these instructions over and over and over again. Turn over to verse um, chapter 50, 22 through 25. Joseph himself gives instructions because he lives out his faith as well. And he has hope. Remember? Jacob just right there. And you will go into the promised land as well. Joseph holds on to that hope that his father told him. He's not going to get it here on this earth. He's going to get it after he, he dies. And so in chapter 50, 22 through 25... It says, Now Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons, and also the sons of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made his sons of made the sons of Israel swear, saying, "God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here." They're making arrangements. They're getting ready for that heavenly home. I can't help but think they were ready. They were on the side of they were getting older, and they knew to make those arrangements. The interesting thing is, it would be over 400 years before Joseph would be carried into the promised land. But in the Exodus, we see in the scriptures that that was not one thing they were going to forget. They carried his bones through the sea as well as God parted them. All right. This is one piece that we cannot um, mess up because we have to prepare. For that heavenly vacation, it's not just a vacation. We're going to live there for all eternity. If anything, we're on a vacation right now because it's a short time here on earth. And so there's nothing to be frightened of because our heavenly home is up there with God. The interesting thing is that book that I'm reading, Billy Graham quotes George Beverly Shea as they were talking and they were getting older. Um, George Beverly Shea told Billy Graham, you know what? I still have a purpose in heaven. I'm going to lead the choirs. God knows what I, I will be doing. You're going to be out of a job, Billy. What are you going to do? Evangelize? Everybody's going to know Jesus. Funny thing is, Billy came back in that book and he says, you know what? I'm pretty sure God's going to have something for me to do. Maybe I'll be leader of the choir directors. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. <clears throat> Um, so, these are all different things that we have to look forward to, and there's no reason to avoid them. Again, if you think about a vacation and going to visit friends that you haven't seen in years, that's exactly what's going to happen. And you're going to see Messiah face to face. What a blessing that will be. Now, I told you last week I was going to end everyone with the song. And I hope that one doesn't pop up real quick because, <clears throat> let me see. The, the song I want you to think about is, what would somebody 
make as far as a song for you? What would it be that they would make up a song for your life and what you're going to, people are going to remember you by? Where's the song? This one was made up by Selah, um, talking about Billy Graham's life. Let's see if I can get it to play and not echo in here. The interesting thing is, I think about John Mandala and what his life has been like and how he was even important to me when I first met him and he actually talked to me and I could tell his faith was so strong. And so this song kind of reminds me of him as well because he loved Jesus and wanted everybody to know him. But think about what God and other people would write for your song at the end. Ever been. He's nearing 
is nearing home, nearing home. We're all nearing home. What are they going to say about us? What kind of song could they write for us? I hope it's not one about just golf or possibly going shooting some craft here on earth. I hope and pray that each of us and our parents are showing a faith of Jesus Christ because that's the eternal perspective. And even in our arrangements at the very end of our life, our faith speaks in what happens. Let us prepare for that heavenly vacation. Let's go to the Lord today. Father in heaven, we thank